The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know one of the best parts about taking shows like this on the road is the brotherly love. Or sisterly yeah. love, as the case may be, that you get to feel. Yes. And we got a lot of that when we were in Vegas for the NFL draft. Remember there was this one fan. Remember that, that fan? We saw him like three or four times. I might have even seen him after you and I split up. The one that had the yes. old school Sixers cap on. That old was school, really, really, really nice. He yep, was Joe so Pat. nice. And we talked yep. to him. And he just had a good yep. way about him. He was with his boy. We took pictures with he him. He was like, Probably as the, a matter of fact, he said... He said, if they don't win, if they don't win a game six, I'm not even going to game seven because I know what's going to happen. They need to win game six and uh, six in right. Toronto, which they did. I remember that. Yeah, they, he was they, nice too. They, they blew him out, right? And so that was on that Thursday of round one of the draft when we saw him and that Thursday game six against the Raptors. So they blow out the Raptors. Somebody say Thursday. And then they have that awesome round one when they trade up to right. draft Jordan Davis and they trade for A.J. Brown. All right, so I remember texting a friend of mine, a guy by the name of Andrew Goldstein, and I texted him and I said, "Where does tonight rank for it, it, since the Super Bowl? Since the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, where does tonight rank in recent memory for Philly sports fans when you combine that Game Six victory, which we would later learn came at a cost, as in a, a, a concussion?" and a fractured orbital bone for Joel yeah, Embiid. Yeah. But where does tonight yeah. rank for Philly fans? Game six win, you know, avoiding, because remember we've been talking about, are they going to choke away a 3-0 lead? And that awesome first round of the draft for the Eagles. And Michael, he has yet to respond to my text. At first, I took it personally. I'm like, why he ain't yeah. responding to my text? But now I think it's because Philly fans realize that much like a lead against the Mets, it's temporary. It's always temporary. <laughs> so, yeah. now, so I think about two things. Listen, I, I feel like there's, there's going to be a Philly flavor to this A block today, I'm thinking, right? Because, okay, Philly. so tonight we got game three, uh, yeah. Sixers, Heat. Uh, the scene shifts to Philadelphia from Miami. Joel Embiid had been listed. Well, okay, let me at least just get there. <laughs> Okay, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let me just keep going. Let me just. Hey, hey. Let me just. Before just, you set it up, though. It just, it just, before it just, before you just set it up. Like you know what? It don't even matter. <laughs> hey, before you set it up. Before you set it up. Let me just what? say. What? I gotta. I gotta tell what? you. I, I, I mentioned. Uh, I mentioned Terry Francona a few times on this show. Uh, fortunate uh-huh. enough to do a book with him many years ago. I, I love Tito. That's it. Tito is his nickname. But Terry Francona managed in Philadelphia before he managed in Boston. So he was once asked, you know, who's tougher, tougher fan base. He's like, it's the same. He said, yeah, uh, Philadelphia fans, they support you. And based on about baseball, they support you, but you better throw strike one. <laughs> so I think that's just strike perfect. One. That's I a good line. That's perfect. That's a good line. You better throw strike one. <laughs> yeah. That's a good so, line. No, so it wasn't that long ago um, when James Harden 
was acquired by the sex by the Sixers. And yeah, people like me calling him the best duo, him and Embiid, the best duo in the NBA. That's so incredible. Embiid, yeah, that didn't age well, as they say. Uh, Embiid may return tonight. He had been listed as out. Clear concussion protocol. We'll see if that mask man can ride to the rescue and help Philadelphia make this a series. Help make James Harden look effective again. Um, so let's just go with that. If Embiid comes back tonight, the possible, the mere possibility that he may come back tonight. If you're a Philly fan, are you getting your hopes up? How are you feeling about this series? You've already kind of given it away. But how are you feeling about this series if you're a Philly fan? Oh, you know, if you're a Philly fan, you got to be feeling hopeful. You're not resigned to it because the Miami Heat are, are a team that is oh, they're, the, they're the number one seed, but the number one seed in an extremely unusual 21-22 uh, NBA season. I mean, we're not talking about 65 wins or even 60 wins. The number one seed in the, or 55 uh, in the Eastern Conference. So it's close. They're not that number one seed where you look at look up at them and say they're so they're much better Phoenix. than us. That's one. They're not Phoenix. Right. In other words, not Phoenix. Here's the other thing. The other thing, Mike. Uh, in both of these games, even though they wound up being pretty lopsided in both of these games in the fourth quarter, the 76ers have been in the game. They've been playing well without Joel Embiid. You throw Embiid back in there, the leading scorer in the NBA. It changes everything about their team. James Harden can step back a notch. Maxi can T Tobias Harris can it just gives Philadelphia a different dimension. So yeah, if I'm a Philly fan, yeah, I got to be a little hopeful, but I'm not a Philly fan. <laughs> so what was that? So, so what was that earlier? So, what, what, uh, what was that? No, uh, it's over. That, that was that, I'm about to say, that was Vince Carter. Yeah, that was Vince Carter. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, it, no, Vince Carter was like he, he did too. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. I think it is. Um, they'll play much better. And I think it'll be a close, really competitive series. But I'm got I got maybe four or five. Maybe they get one in this series with Embiid. Without Embiid, they're getting swept. With Embiid, so even a compromise Embiid, they might on. be able to steal a game. Before I say anything, let me just check Tweet Deck. See if anything has changed. No. All right. We're still at the optimism stage that Joel Embiid plays in game three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Still being fitted for the mask. All right. I mean, I think if I'm, if I'm, I'm I'll ask my own question. If I'm a Philly fan, if I'm a Philly fan. Yeah. I am resigned to despite what you said about the heat status as number one seed. I mean, they went through injuries this year. I know it feels like they were the number one seed by default because nobody else really wanted it, but they're they're a good they're a good team. They're a really good team. The Heat. They're a good oh, yeah, team. Yeah, they're a good team. Uh, so and they're they're, they're so rightful silly. and legitimate. No, they, they yeah they are. I'm saying, but the Heat though, they're not just some, you know, number one seed. That's not your typical number one. I mean, I know they didn't win that many games in the regular season, but they're a rightful and legitimate top seed. All right, all right, and I think they've shown that so far in the playoffs. So there's there's that. But beyond that. If I'm a Philly fan to answer my own question, I'm resigned to mm -hmm. like, we're not going to beat this rightful number one seed that Michael Smith just referenced four out of the next five. Okay. Uh, I don't think even with Embiid, I don't think Philly has enough to overcome this 0-2 deficit with the Heat still having home court advantage. I don't believe that. Um, 
So if I'm a Philly fan, I have high hopes that we can get one. You talk about throwing strike one that we can get one and that one being tonight. If it's 3-0, cancel Christmas, obviously. But if it's 2-1, it gets interesting because you're right. MB coming back, it's not just that he brings his 30 points per game. It's not just that he brings his defense. But Harden at this point is not the man. He's, he's at best the man next to the man. You know, mm. it's the reason why he wanted out of Brooklyn in the first place, right? Because he didn't want that weight of, of having to carry the load without Katie and Kyrie. He didn't want that anymore. Maybe he maybe he knows thyself. Maybe he knows himself and knows that he's not capable of shouldering the load the way he once did in Houston. He's not that guy anymore. So he went to Philly thinking he could ride shotgun with Batman and be Robin only for him to have to be Nightwing or the Red Hood or something oh. like that Ooh. and realizing like nah, you know, this 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 I, I ain't up to this task. And, and in fairness, though, I read this from John Schumann earlier. I, just, I do want to point this out. It's easy to point at James Harden. He's polarizing. I know how you feel about yeah. Harden, but a couple of stats that were pretty alarming for this series. The Sixers are four of 18 from three off of James Harden passes and four of 20 on wide open threes in these conference semifinals against Miami. So I say all that to say maybe it's as simple as 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 um, as Tyrese Maxey said, which is, yeah, we'll make shots that we've been missing when we go home. Maybe it's that simple. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I mean, look, it, it, look it, that it, happened. We saw that. We saw that happen in the, uh, uh, the Boston-Milwaukee series. Same thing. Game one, they had a bunch of open yeah. shots. They missed them. Game two, Game they had a two, bunch of open them. shots. They made them. Philadelphia, though, big what if, right? Because. Well, that, well that's what I was getting they, to, though. I, I just wanted to get, uh, that's yeah. what I was getting, before you get to the big what if, it's just that I'm resigned yeah. to thinking, our season is more than likely going to end here. What does the future hold? Because the what if I think you're getting to is like, okay, so last year, not just because of him, but Simmons checked out. We were the number one seed last year. Didn't get it done last year. This year, we thought we figured it out. We got rid of Simmons and we upgraded us. So we thought to James Harden and only for that to not have worked out. And now he's got a player option or we're looking at a max contract. There's reports that maybe he takes less to stay yada yada yada. Where does Philly go from here? Once Miami sends them home is that does that dovetail into your what if? Yeah, I mean it, it really does. I was just checking because I want to make sure because I know uh, Joel Embiid uh, was in the I think 2014 draft. Joel Embiid, man, is like next year. Oh, he's the big one. season. Well, I mean, the team is, but it starts with him. Because every mm -hmm. time I feel like when he's I look at any team, I look at the star and how much how much the star has left. I, I'm not suggesting he's at the end of his career by any stretch, but he's in his prime. He's 28. He's going to be 29 in, in, in the spring of the 22-23 season. 29 years old. And how much, how much of a window does Joel Embiid have, just to be the centerpiece yeah. of a team, to carry a team? So I say, you know, well, that's what Daryl Morey has been saying the whole time. That's what he was, he was like. Yeah, we, that's why they, they we, we have to maximize his prime, this championship window with him as centerpiece. And it's yeah. like two to three years. It's two to three years. These things like we know it. Just think about not just the the objective or or the the tangible all-star teams and you look at the all-star teams over the years, but look at the more subjective top five top 10 lists we've had. I've always been in these top 10 arguments with people. I, it seems like I've been in them for like 20 years and and five years ago, 
I was like, hey, what about DeRozan? Like DeRozan was in my top 10. Like there were some names, Paul George, there were some names in that top 10 conversation that uh, usually six through 10 kind of fade out a little bit and are replaced. Sure. Joel, sure. Embiid, Joel Embiid is top five right now. How long will we yeah, still say, yeah. no doubt, he's a top five player? So Philadelphia has to figure it out, not just with Embiid, but what's going around him. Can you really well, commit even with Embiid. to James Harden? And if you're going to commit to James Harden with Embiid, okay, now your window is Har- two years. And Harden, and Harden's got to – I don't know if you could afford to just disassociate yourself with James Harden given what they paid for him or given what the alternative might be. I don't know if you could just uh, – got to pay him. Hopefully, these reports about maybe him taking less or fewer, as in less money or fewer years, are accurate. But to your point about Embiid, can you even count on having Embiid? And I'm not just talking about the freaky injury of a concussion and a fractured eye socket, but he played in a career high 68 games this year. You know, I mean, his history just suggests that you can't even count on having him, let alone the brilliant MVP caliber season he had this year. It is really a shame. And it is a big yeah. what if when you look at the last couple of years in particular and this year when it looked like especially after those first three games at Harden. It's like oh, holy snap. Holy crap. Oh, oh snap. The Sixers might be the team to beat in Eastern Conference and now Harden incapable of holding it down in his absence, but yeah, Mike, you're right. He like, changes Mike, everything look, once it comes back. Mike, I, I may not be a fair man. I'm aspiring to be a fair man. That That's my hope that I can become I'm becoming like Michelle Obama. I'm becoming and so I look at Philadelphia and I think it is fair to say if you've got Embiid and you got James Harden, despite how I feel about Harden, Embiid, Harden, Maxi, like I like this remix. I like this Philadelphia remix that has happened this year. They've overcome the Ben Simmons saga. They're probably very happy now as they look at what's going on in Brooklyn. That's not our problem anymore. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. They they've got They've got an identity. They know who their number one scorer is. Everybody's cool with it. It's not like, you know, Simmons suggesting or uh, subtweeting that, hey, maybe, maybe part sure. of my problem is that I didn't have my own offense to run. They, everything seems to be lined up in place. They overcame the chatter of, are they about to blow this three zip lead? No, they didn't. They didn't blow it. They blew out. They did Toronto and they didn't. Game six. They did so and they didn't. Because it's, it's just too bad. Embiid on the court and a blowout and, You're right. and getting injured. Yeah, they did and they did And here it is. And is, is that, is that trade a lose-lose? Remember we thought oh, it was a win-win? Yeah, that's bad. Is that, is, that, is that trade now a lose-lose? But listen, if they win, if Embiid rise to the rescue and they win game three, we could be having a much different conversation come Monday, Michael. But going back to the birds, I want to know how you feel about Jalen Hurts because it's like the honeymoon. I saw a couple of reports earlier about and, and this is no secret that uh, Jalen Hurts it's like it's a proven year for him. It's a make or break year for him in his third season. It's like yeah. if, 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 if he doesn't show himself to be the long term answer this year, given everything the organization has done around him, then they're well equipped with those two first round picks to take advantage of that loaded 23 quarterback class. And I'm just like there's something that just doesn't sit well with me about that. And maybe it's that I love Jalen Hurts. I've loved him since he stepped in and won the SEC championship in the same stadium that he got benched for, uh, benched in for Tua Tonga by Lord a year before and then goes on and becomes a Heisman finalist at Oklahoma. Maybe I just love what the kid is made of so much 
But I'm just not feeling the idea of going into a season where the quarterback at least at least fake like you're committed to him. You know what I mean? It, it, why put it out there that it's like, yeah, you know what? I hey, he's got no excuses. I mean, look at the he's got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and offensive line and look what we did to help him on defense. And if he don't step up, well, then we just gonna go a different direction. Like what happened to the days of allowing quarterbacks to grow and develop as opposed to always having a wandering eye this 80 20 rule like if a dude don't complete 70% as a rookie they got an 80 20 rule with him where they always looking for an upgrade yeah. somewhere else. I like this kid. Is he the most accurate? No, is he the most consistent? No, he's also 24 years old, right? Or 23 years old. Like he's in it. He just had his first year as a starter and then went to the playoffs despite some of his shortcomings. How you feel about Jalen Hurts, but more important how you feel about how the Eagles and just their, their the Eagles organization and fan base are supporting Jalen Hurts, but not. You understand what I'm saying? Let, let, okay, listen. Let me tell you how I feel about Jalen Hurts first. One of my favorite quarterbacks in football, one of my favorite quarterback people in football. I love the way he handles himself most of the time. You ever watch his interviews? He just, he just gets it. He he has a great presence about him. I can see yeah. how he and that's has why become a lucky. leader. Yeah. That's why that's the why Eagles are lucky because he, he can handle this yeah. Mike real quick. I was gonna say he can handle yeah. this Mike like he had like most quarterbacks may be affected by this kind of talk of like, you know, you got to get it done this year. He's been through so much. So he's he's built for Philadelphia in a way that his predecessors and his immediate predecessor yeah. was not his predecessor uh, really struggled yeah. with, but I can see why he was a leader in Alabama leader in Oklahoma and uh, becoming emerging as a leader in Philadelphia. And the one thing that stood out to me about last year, turn a negative, a, a very deep, uh, long running negative into a positive. When that situation happened at Washington's terrible football stadium, the previous Washington football team, now the commanders, and he's walking out and the stands oh, yeah. collapse. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there are yeah. fans on the ground. First of all, he ducks to collapse, avoiding a major injury. Yeah. Stands there. Poses with the fans, takes pictures, walks back, and then writes a letter. Writes a letter <laughs> talking about how problematic the situation is. Good. Good mm -hmm. job, mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, I like him too. But this is what I figured out. Just listening to you talk about this, I think there are seven permanent quarterback positions in the seven NFL. Supreme Court Every, everybody else, everybody else seven, is an seven independent lifetime contractor. That's it. Mm -hmm. Seven, maybe. And then everybody else, independent contractor, uh, contractor at will, or contractor against you, or or we we have decided we're going to go somewhere. We're going to go in a different direction. Like it's so flu it's the most fluid position. Of, it's the most important position in football. Also the most fluid position in football. But when did if that happen? Not it wasn't it, always it happened like that. It, it doesn't feel like overnight. it was I think, like that. I tell you when it happened. I tell you when it happened, and it all comes back to the the TikTok troll we talked about yesterday. Tom Brady. Tom Brady left New England on St. Patrick's Day 2020 and went to Tampa and then Tampa won the Super Bowl. Everybody, everybody was like, wait a minute. Fans were like that. Russell Wilson, remember him watching the game with the CR and, 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 and Roger Goodell? He's just sitting there like, Man. Yeah, but see, I, I think that's two different things. I think I think the, the Tom Brady phenomenon, the, the Matthew Stafford phenomenon, 
the Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson phenomenon of kind of being envious of that immediate success is different than this year was a was an aberration because it's like I think it might have a lot to do with just the amount of young quarterbacks who come into the league year in and year out who we think are ready to play and in many cases ready to play immediately, but also from a contract standpoint fewer and fewer teams are committing to them early. You know, see Baker Mayfield. Wasn't that long ago where Baker Mayfield, yeah. he was going to be one of those guys you were talking about since he had solved Cleveland's revolving door, only for them not to commit, you know, or even the Jets. The Jets trade up to get Sam Darnold. Now he's on another team already, you know, before he even gets to his fifth-year option. I think it's just they're always looking at the next class. They're always looking at what's new and what's next, not necessarily who's the veteran that's available because those are only a handful of guys like Brady or, or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Or greatness, and not necessarily a veteran, great quarterback. It, I think what happened there in, in the Brady situation, like Tampa mm. was 7-9 and nine the year before, and you can't just say they just dropped in the quarterback and they became a championship team. He, they made some other additions, some smart draft choices, picked up an all-pro right tackle, all that stuff, but uh, in the draft, it, it allowed other teams to think, other teams to think we're a quarterback away. We're a great quarterback away from getting ourselves to a championship level, whether it's a 40-something quarter, 40-something-year-old quarterback like Tom Brady or a 30-something-year-old quarterback like Russell Wilson or a great you know, transcendent talent in the draft. So this, is, this upcoming draft is supposed to have a few of those guys. So I can understand. It's too bad, but I can understand why Holly Roseman looks at it and says, yeah, well, Jalen Hurts doesn't get it done. I might have to target one of those guys in the draft who I think can. Who's a notch above? Yeah. I, I, I look at his teammate, former teammate, Tua Tagovailoa. Same type of thing. It's like, it just felt... Yeah, I get that. It's, it's a bottom-line business. It's what have you done for me lately? You know, we're less patient. We're microwave society. I get all of that, but it's like, you know, has Tua ever really gotten an opportunity to develop... That word, man, we just we don't we don't we don't do that well, anymore. It's like got to got to find the next yeah, got to find the next got to find the next one, you know. And it's too bad for him. Even if he does get it done this year, Tom Brady's taking his job. At 23, it's too bad. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is really stressful. <laughs> it's, big, it's big. It's big. A lot of big is happening. It's just not with us. This sucks. So. Yeah, we're just gonna keep eating. We can't do any picks. So. Ninth pick. They want to. We gotta watch Russ Wilson highlights. <laughs> Are you interested at all in adding a veteran quarterback who's been a, a starter in this league over the next couple months? 
we're always competing. And I know you, I'm not saying anything you didn't think I was going to say, but uh, that's fortunately that's that's always been the way we've operated, and it fits again. So we're we're looking. Uh, you know, I don't I don't see us you know making a trade for anybody that, at all. I I don't see that happening. But um, we we're certainly going to continue to be open to the chances to help our club. And and uh, meanwhile, we're just going to be battling and, and and competing our tails off. But that you know, there's always there's always possibilities. So we keep open to that. So if a guy you wouldn't trade necessarily for a veteran quarterback, but if someone became available that was, you know, all of a sudden a free agent, that's a different thing. In, there's no chance I'm going to tell you anything more than what I just told you. But, but I love you for trying. Mike Jones from USA Today. Um, today, the Seahawks, along with the Bears, the Commanders, the Ravens, the Jets, the Packers, the Chiefs, uh, this weekend, I should say, these teams are kicking off rookie minicamp. Uh, the Seahawks do not have a quarterback that they drafted joining them at, they, at that rookie camp. So they go into it, and I believe this was your number one remaining outstanding issue uh, post-draft, is are the Seahawks really serious about going at this thing this year with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, respectfully? Um, maybe they just look at it 2023 and say, you know what, we'll handle it next year. We'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll tank, so to speak. I know it's a dirty word, and we'll handle it next year. Or maybe they're playing chicken with the Browns for Baker Mayfield. That's the only spot that seems to make sense for him. What is going on in Seattle? Why aren't they losing sleep in Seattle over their lack of an established starting quarterback? You know, this is a question I really would love to know the answer to. I check with people multiple times a week to find out what is going on and how can they really seriously be okay at quarterback. And there really is not a whole lot of talk. Like They're playing this very close to the vest. I still talk to people who feel like at some point, Baker Mayfield will wind up there. But really, what's the rush? Also, the Browns don't have a whole lot of leverage here because obviously, you know, they don't want him. They've got Deshaun Watson there. And then also the thing that complicates it is the 18 million guaranteed that Baker Mayfield has. So eventually somebody's going to have to do something about that. And so I think for right now, the Seahawks are sitting back and waiting. Um, you know, I still would be surprised if Baker Mayfield doesn't wind up there. A lot of people I talk to think that. But then at the same time, there's others who say, you know what? They very well could roll with Geno Smith, who's been in the organization for quite a while, if he and have him and uh, Drew Locke compete, even though that's probably a scary sound if you are a Seahawks fan. Unless you just want a quarterback you know, just, at 23. If you're a Seahawks fan and you want C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, that's probably music to your ears. <laughs> right, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> Mike, you Mike's just, yeah, on holiday. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, though, uh, Michaels, uh, Mike's, uh, if, if you were, if, if you will, are we making too much of the quarterback situation in Seattle? Because maybe they're just what they're telling us is we got too many, we got too many holes. So even if we bring in a, a good quarterback, and I think Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, you guys may disagree. If we bring in a good quarterback, so what? We, we're this is a two, this is a two-year rebuilding plan. So what's a good quarterback gonna do for us right now? Is that is that is that a possibility? Are they just there's no urgency because their team is not set up that way. No, it, it is very much a possibility because when you look at what a lot of teams are doing around the league is they are realizing, okay, let's set the table um, before we get that quarterback. You know, maybe it's you, you drop a veteran in. Maybe it's you dropping uh, a rookie in that you draft, but you have to get things around him set rather than thinking that, okay, we'll get a quarterback and then figure everything else after that. So it is possible um, that they know that, okay, we've got to rebuild, but still it just seems like, Okay, Pete Carroll, 
you know, isn't getting any younger. They still have veterans on this roster that they have to take advantage of the window of opportunity that they have here. Now, obviously, they didn't capitalize on what they had with Russell Wilson. Um, but is Baker Mayfield a bridge? Um, is Geno Smith the bridge? Drew Locke? Um, you know, we'll see. But, you know, you're not crazy for thinking that maybe they'll go ahead and say, look, we'll just take our lumps with what we have right here, fix our roster, retool, and then address that in the draft or free agency uh, in 23. Well, let me ask you this. Let's, let's, I want to hone in on Baker and, and just get your intel on, on the bottom line when it comes to Baker. Like, were people not that high on him to begin with, even though he went number one overall out of Oklahoma after he won the Heisman? Was this a John Dorsey number one pick and the rest of the league had a different opinion? Has the league's opinion of him changed over the years that he's been in Cleveland? The reason I say that is this. $18.8 million guaranteed. I, I get it. You might not want to eat all of that if you don't have to. But the opportunity to have a reclamation project on the cheap as in a mid-round draft pick, hypothetically speaking, in exchange for a former number one overall pick seems like a steal on the surface. What is it about Baker Mayfield? Polarizing puts it kindly. What is it about Baker Mayfield in locker rooms or in front offices where people aren't falling over themselves? A seemingly desperate team like Seattle isn't falling over itself to see, well, if we get Baker Mayfield in here, then we ain't got to worry about, you know, being in position to get CJ Stroud or or uh, or Bryce Young or anybody else, we get we get somebody somebody else's trash is our treasure. Why don't people view Baker Mayfield the way that Michael Holly seems to? Because I'm not even that big of a fan of his, but it seems like the league agrees with me, and that's well, that's, it, that's interesting to say the least. No, no, it is it's fascinating. But but I know coming out of the draft, there were, you know, he was their teams were very split on him, but the Browns and the guys who did their talent evaluation were gung ho on him. But there were people who felt like, hey, Josh Allen would probably be the better guy. He's bigger, more faster, more versatile, bigger arm, and all of that. And so look, Baker has done some good things. He's had some inconsistencies as well. But I was just asking somebody today, I was like, okay, well. If it's not the Seahawks, then where's the good fit? He said, well, anybody who wants a quarterback that's 26 and has got a playoff victory under his belt and former number one overall pick. That sounds like something really good to have onto your roster. Yeah, right? <laughs> so it is very, you know, but you have Baker who, look, he couldn't work it out with um, uh, with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Jarvis Landry wanted out of there. Uh, you know, it, he hasn't been able to take that other step um, in big moments. You know, he hasn't come through outside of that playoff win. So a lot of people kind of look at him and they're like, yeah, I mean, he's okay, but we don't have to, you know, go crazy and and rush to go get him because they know eventually this thing's going to play out. And again, like we said, the Browns have no leverage here. Um, They have, you know, he's not going to wind up there. And why give up a whole bunch for somebody that you know isn't going to wind up being there? We'll see. But a lot of the teams around, they feel like, okay, Baker might be at a ceiling right here where we look at some of these kids coming out of the draft coming forward and maybe their ceilings are higher. All right, uh, Mike Jones. Hold on here, man. I'm about to ask you a personal question. Get ready. Get ready. Uh, Who is the most famous person who follows you on social media or a famous person who follows you on social? 
Um, I guess Dale Earnhardt Jr. Hey, it's pretty good. I That's mean, pretty good. Pretty good. You know? Okay. When I left, you and that know, means he, something. He tweets at me. Um, you know, he gave me a shout oh, out when I left the Washington Post to go to USA Today. You know, he's a big Washington football fan. Um, so I was hey, kind of shocked that he followed me. So I guess that's the one. See, see, he follows you. That means something. You're proud of that. And so the San Francisco 49ers, they were once followed by Debo Samuel, unfollowed. They probably took that personally. Now followed again. Right. Does that mean that, let's see, uh, Debo is Dale Earnhardt Jr. And the 49ers are Mike Jones. And it's all good now, right? Well, I think the 49ers are probably hoping that, but I think what it all boils down to is you have a 20-something-year-old kid that, you know, we're, you know, us old people, you know, we're still trying to figure out this social media game, the unfollowing, the removing of the pictures, the the refollowing. Um, is he trying to play nice now and hope that they work with him um, or, or what? I When I asked people about this when he first unfollowed them, some of them said, I didn't know he ever followed us. That's not something I concern myself with. So if you're the 49ers, I think, you know, if we said, hey, John Lynch, uh, Debo's following you again, he would be like, okay, that's nice. I, I didn't know until you guys told me the first time that he done followed us. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that Little League's commanders, uh, the Seahawks, the Bears, the Chiefs, the Packers, Jets and the Ravens all kick off rookie mini camps this week. Um, that Ravens draft class, um, Sounds like the 74 Steelers uh, with the way they nail the draft as they always do, but a lot of excitement about the Ravens draft class and yet there's still unfinished business as it relates to Lamar Jackson's extension, but even in the short term trading Marquise Brown to Arizona and not having an established threat on the outside. I love Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota uh, who they drafted last year along with, you know, they have Duvernay, Porsche, they have some guys. Um, but nobody that's a you know thousand yard receiver the way Marquise Brown is. What's the what's the the, the, the the temperature within the building at Owings Mills when it comes to Lamar, especially now that he seemingly uh, is disappointed at the loss of his number one wide receiver. We know he loves Mark Andrews. Yeah, you know, I don't get the sense that they're too terribly worried. They still want to get this thing done, but there is some awkwardness there. Um, he knew, you know, he, you know, we saw the tweet, the WTF, um, you know, like acting like he was surprised about that trade, but maybe he felt like it never was going to happen. But I was looking at them saying, okay, well, are they about to load up on wide receivers here since he's gone? I mean, you have to give this guy something to work with. I know that's not a pass first offense, but you have to have somebody. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the offseason plays out. Do, is it something that they go find a veteran um, that's that's out there that they can swing a trade or somebody that gets cut, um, you know, after June 1? Uh, you, you've got to give them something to work with here. Uh, I just find it very interesting that he's not clued in in a lot of this stuff in these decision makings as you're trying to make him happy and convince him to resign here. Uh, but I still, from what I'm told, he's in no rush. Uh, he has got no problem playing out this season right here and then, uh, you know, addressing the contract thing because he sees every single time a quarterback gets paid, the money jumps and jumps and jumps. And so he knows, okay, well, Kyler Murray's going to get done. Other guys out there are going to get done. And then eventually I'll wait as they keep on resetting the bar then I'm going to continue to prove my worth and then I'll get taken care of myself. 
All right, uh, uh, tell, tell me this. Uh, the team you used to cover, uh, the Washington Commanders, I understand that they got a lot of capital from moving back on the draft board. See, I like, like Michael and I, we, like, we both love the draft. We love the draft and draft day deals and all that stuff. But they could have had Olave. They could have had Jamison Williams. Um, they couldn't have had, gotten Garrett Wilson. But they wind up with Dotson right. from moving all the way back. Like, did, does that make? Why did they do that? I mean, I understand they got capital, but if you really want a wide receiver, why not get? For some people, the best receiver on the board was Jamison Williams, right. or the third best receiver on the board in Olave. Why did you move all the way back and you possibly reach on Dotson? What, what do you think their logic was there? Well, the capital was a big thing. Um, because they felt like, hey, we need, we have a number of holes, we need as many receivers as we possibly can. But even before the draft, they, this was a kid they really liked. I was expecting them to go after a big target guy to kind of compliment Terry McLaurin. You have Curtis Samuel who can operate out of the slot, but they really liked Dotson. Um, he's a guy they had rated similarly to some of these guys, even though maybe he's a little undersized, but they see him as a fierce competitor, a guy who goes after those balls in the air. Um, really uh, tough to cover out of the slot. Uh, it, it's an interesting move to me, too, uh, just because of the fact of the other guys who were out there um, when they were sitting there at 11. But moving back, they felt like they could get pieces to help themselves other other places and also get a guy that they were very high on that maybe um, was overlooked by some people. Last thing I got for you, man, I'm sure a lot of Jets fans are wondering this. Um, that awesome first round and really that entire draft class makes its debut this week at rookie minicamp. These last two drafts feels like the Jets are in route to respectability. Do they actually start translating these drafts into victories? That's the big question. And this is the thing about this time of year. Everybody has all these draft grades and it looks like you've had a great great draft as you get these three first round picks. But how do you use them? How do you fit them into your system? How do you develop them is the big question because we see teams have multiple first round picks all the time and they don't really pan out something special. The Jets, didn't they like, have five you know, once upon a time? Didn't they, you know, like, what year was that where they had five of them things? <laughs> and then how did it help them, right? So um, yeah. I am still, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes before I really praise them. The moves that they made look smart. They're guys that can help them on their defense. Obviously, Wilson will help um, Zach uh, Wilson. Uh, but again, we got to see how they use them. We haven't seen the Jets see yeah. anything through um, with, you know, um, sustained success. Uh, they keep on hitting the reset button. So uh, we'll wait and see. I like all of those players, but again, how are they going to be used? Are they going to be developed the right way? Um, you know, is Zach Wilson even the guy? There's still a lot of questions for me before uh, I'm willing to, to crown them as having one of the great drafts. Well, this is franchise mode. They'd be winning. Uh, Mike Jones, USA Today. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. You guys have a good one. All right, talk All right, to you Mike later, Jones. Bro. Thanks, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
give me your starting five all time, man. You can include yourself, but you have to give me your starting five. I have to. I'll take myself. So at the three? Michael Jordan. Myself, Michael Jordan, Magic. That's pretty good. <laughs> Based in today's game, it would be positionless, right? Yeah. So, uh, give me Charles Barkley. Ooh. I'm going to still stick with the older player. Yeah. You need the defensive center now because Chuck Chuck is not going to do the defensive drills, man. I'll take Shaq. I got a lot of offense. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to no, do No, no. You know what? Give rid of Barkley. Give me Giannis. <laughs> oh, you're putting Giannis at the five. I want Giannis at the four and then give me Shaq at the five. Yeah, like the front court is you, Giannis, and Shaq? Yes. That's crazy, man. All right, it's time for the Axe Effect interview of the week. Our three-man weave with the homie Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo Sports. I just, look, for shits and gigs, I just like to roll Scotty Pippen's side just to get that kind of reaction out of you, Vinny. I mean, listen, he said you could pick yourself. He picked himself and he, and he picked Michael Jordan. He so he wasn't that petty. Yesterday, Michael and I picked our all-time, our all-time starting five. Vinny, I don't know if I know your all-time starting five. Vinny, now here's the thing, Vinny. It's not the best player at each traditional position. It's not the greatest five of all time. Is You got to win a game with your life on the line. Who's your starting five, Vinny Goodwill? Wow, that's interesting. Uh, I've never been asked that question before. I will probably put Kareem at the five. I think he is, he's historically underrated. Uh, I think at the four, I would put LeBron. At the three, okay. I would put Larry Bird. At the two and one, I would put Magic and Mike. And I'm probably not losing. Probably not. I like what you did with LeBron there, playing him at the four. I like that. Um, Versatility, that makes, that makes a lot of playmaker, that type of thing. And, and that way you get Bird in there. It's not at Bird's expense. I saw I, Michael. What? Who was yours again, Michael? Michael, you had Wilt and Russell, which I like. Who'd you have again, Michael? Yeah, but you Magic, know, Michael, Wilt, also, Russell, and who'd you have? I, I didn't have. I don't think I have Magic. I'm just uh, get, make sure I get the spelling magic. right on this guy. I'm about to tweet him. It's I S I A. H, I think Isaiah Thomas, uh, Vinny Goodwill, who rides for Detroit, who claims to ride for Detroit, don't got Isaiah Thomas on the all-time starting five. What's up, man? What's up? Keep your voice down. Keep your voice down. All right. Maddie Johnson's <laughs> the greatest point guard ever. Okay. Look, we 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 not we not debut. They the that's Michigan. Just, anyway. No, no, right. No, 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 no. Isaiah Thomas is my favorite player. I think his he's yeah. historically underrated. Top 15 all the time, if you ask me. Magic Johnson might be one of the top two players to ever play the game. That's all. I got There's Magic no on my list, too. I just, so, I'm just trolling. So here's what, I have Magic on there. Here's, here's what I did, Vinny. I went with uh, Russell at the five. Going to your point about, like, you know, I'm probably not losing. I went Russell at the five. Um, I went Magic. Excuse me. I went Michael and Steph in the backcourt. I went LeBron at the three. And I went Duncan at the four. Um, so that was that. Why you looking? You why you looking like you want to throw up in your mouth? Lose how? You can lose with that group. Why? Hold on. You, no, say, you say it again. Who, who, who you have in the backcourt? 
Who do you have in the backcourt? Steph, Steph and Jordan. Steph, Michael okay. Jordan. All right. right. Then at the three, LeBron, LeBron at the three, Duncan at the four. Duncan at the four. And Russell at the five. Good, like as my as my as my basketball coaches tell me in high school, if I score, I might win. If you don't score, I can't lose. You ain't scoring against that group. And you can you talk to trash about step if you want. Wait, you, you can talk trash about step if you want. You ain't you're not you're not gonna eat you're not getting you're not scoring at the rim against Duncan and Russell. You ain't you ain't scoring. And I, and then I got LeBron as a chess piece and Michael Jordan. I'm gonna be careful I'll to win. not talk so loud. I'm gonna be careful to not talk so loud considering I'm in Chase Center and we just got finished talking to Steph, which means he could be on the I was about to ask you. <laughs> but but um you can score on Steph. Steph's greatest defense is his offense, right? You can and score on him, but he, he ain't the liability you people have made him out to be. You saw that at the end I, of that last game. He's not who, underrated. Who He's underrated people? on defense. Who are you? You people. people. You people. What do you mean, you people? You people. <laughs> not always talking about them hiding him on defense. Who, me? Why don't you have magic? Yeah. Why do I have magic? Oh, I just want to step shooting. Why don't you? But. but Cause five. I just want to. I just want to step shooting. I want a three-point shoot. I want to spread the floor. I could pick a second oh, five that's better than your first five. Hey, Magic. No. Hey, hey, Magic. Magic the same size as Bill Russell. <laughs> okay, you can play Magic. You can play a center if you want. But wait a second. Let's get to reality, though. You started. You said you, you just finished talking to Steph Curry. What was the most interesting thing he said? Did you talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, exclusive for Yahoo Sports, or? Group no, 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 just in the scrum, oh, okay. just, just, in, just in the media scrum uh, here at the wonderful Chase Center. I mean, he, he talked about John Morant being this guy that handles the ball a lot. That, that was a big focus between him, Draymond Green, and Steve Kerr today, talking about how potent John Morant is. And as opposed to saying, hey, we got to stop him, they were mostly saying, hey, we know he's going to get his. He handles the ball a lot. He controls a lot of their offense. He's a great player. It's someone i won't say others because i hate saying others i think that like it's really denigrating and really like lack of a better word simple but draymond green said stop the guys that you can stop and i feel like that's a better strategy for them as opposed to trying to stop a guy who might be unstoppable and when you look at your three perimeter defenders and steph and jordan Poole and clay thompson neither one of those guys are a stopper is a stopper and clay thompson quietly as kept has really been struggling in these first two games of this series. So I'm very curious to see what Golden State does as an adjustment going into this weekend in game three, because contrary to what people believe, they can lose one or both of these games. I don't think they will, but I think it is possible that Jock is still the game on the road. How are you, uh, Vinny, are you surprised at the tenor of the series so far? We only got two games in, and I feel like a war is about to break out at any time. Are you surprised that it's just... It's not chippy. That's that's understanding. This is nastiness. We're just so you got Draymond Green on one side. So you got Draymond Green on one side, and then you got a bunch of rabid dogs on the other side. And you're surprised from, that it could be from Memphis. A, a week of chippy, <laughs> shocking. Are you are you shocked? Are you surprised? And more than anything else, this is experience versus you. And to me, what happens is experience takes over early, and youth learns late. And all of this happens over the course of a seven-game series where I worry, I would worry if I was Golden State, that Memphis gets their experience throughout the course of this series and they get better and more acclimated, even though Dylan Brooks was rightfully ejected and suspended for that 
you know, Undertaker's clothesline that he pulled on Gary Payton. But I'm not surprised at all because when you look at these playoffs, youth is coming at old people's necks and old people are trying to hold on. And this is what the playoffs are usually supposed to be about. Um, Memphis, the Detroit of the South, if I may, Vinny Goodwill. Don't, don't disrespect Detroit like that. Don't disrespect Detroit. That like was that. a compliment. That was a compliment. That is, that, God, we don't take it so, as such. We don't take that as no compliment. Y'all don't take no, nothing as a compliment. Golly, there are no you know, more you know, sensitive you know people you know in the world you know of Detroit. No, you know what Memphis what? is? Memphis, what? Memphis wants to be New Orleans. It's New Orleans without the charm. Okay, I like Memphis more than you do, but that's neither here nor there. Before we I don't let you mind go, really, Memphis, but it ain't Detroit. What's your okay? Real quick, we got we running out of time. What is your read on Boston, Milwaukee, given the way those two games have been diametrically opposed, if you will? Uh, Boston has found a way to corral Giannis, and but the problem is if Boston thinks they're going to shoot fifty threes every game and win the series, they are sadly mistaken. The other problem is who counts on Mike Budenholzer to make realistic adjustments? Because I haven't seen one. Ooh. All right. Man, Boonholzer still Boonholzer still getting getting raped, even though they won a title last year. I, I, He's I used the to rape same too. coach he was before they won a title. I the know, title I don't change but they won. Hey, but they hey won, if, if you marry, hey, hold on, if you marry a woman that that don't cook or clean, or if you marry a dude that's cheating all the time, you are gonna expect them to be different because a ring on their finger? Hey, I'm gonna tell you what. One thing that cannot go unspoken is that digital underground poster behind you. That's that's in the chase that's center. Dope. Shout oh, out to the dope. chase yeah. center. Shout out and shout, shout out, out to East all Bay. the moms everywhere. Happy Mother's Day, fellas, to all the Happy ladies in your life. Happy Mother's Mama Day, Kim, love you, baby. Everywhere. And that was the Axe Effect interview of the week presented by Axe. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.